Welcome to Healthy Perspectives Podcast with Jeremiah, where we provide clinical perspectives on current social and cultural issues. And don't forget, you can subscribe at Podbean, Spotify, Apple, or anywhere you listen to podcasts. Please subscribe at any or all of them. You can follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Getter, Twitter, and many other social media sites. Or you can email us at healthy perspectives with an S at protonmail.com. You could also check us out on our website at www.healthy-perspectives.com. So it's a dash in between the healthy perspectives. Make sure you put an S at the end. Thank you and have a great day. So we are about to have an influx of 87,000 new IRS agents. And you might be wondering, how is this a clinical topic? I'm going to explain. Stay with me and you'll understand where I'm coming from. So have any of you heard anyone say, Wow, I'm really excited that we decided to vote on and approve 87,000 new IRS agents. I haven't heard a single person share enthusiasm about this decision and why that matters. Look, I, you guys know, if you followed me, that I don't get political in here. I bring up hard social and cultural topics. In this case, it's a political topic, but I take it and I look at it from a therapeutic lens. From a therapeutic lens, there's two things I want to break down in this. Number one, I want to find out if we are missing some boundaries. And number two, is this a leadership followership issue? So let's break it down. Since I haven't yet heard anyone say, yay, we're going to have 87,000 new IRS agents. Here's some questions that I have. Are the politicians representing the people? In our culture, now, look, if we want to change this as a people, we can. Like there's, there's means, there's ways to go about this. But as of right now, our politicians are in theory representing us as individual voters. So the question is, are they representing us? What do we do if they aren't? Okay, so that, that's the framework for, for some of this conversation. Another question that I have is, in the midst of all the things that are going on, and I know there's a lot of variables that are going on right now, is this where we want to spend our limited time, energy, and resources in the form of money? I've heard arguments on both sides. So with these two questions as the backdrop, I want to go into boundaries and leadership followership. So let's start with boundaries. We have boundaries in this world that break down into a couple of categories. Some of you out there can do your research. You're going to see that there are typically references to seven boundaries. But I'm going to break it down a little bit different. There are really two types of boundaries, physical and emotional. From there... Thinking about safety, because almost all boundaries are based on safety. Either one, real safety, real physical or real emotional safety, or emotional safety, either again, real or perceived. 
And then from there, we start to talk about what kinds of boundaries exist. Again, we're using this I, this 87,000 new IRS agents just as a framework to think about it. We can come down to three different possibilities, types of boundaries. This is what we talk about in the clinical world. We've got rigid, porous, or healthy. Rigid is, it means it doesn't, uh, it, it doesn't move anything for any reason. It doesn't necessarily care if it's right or wrong. It sets it and it holds it. It's, it's like building a, uh, you know, a, a steel safe and then climbing into it. Nothing's getting in. There's no way. I'm not going to let anything in. That kind of boundary is typically done out of fear. And it's a... It, well, all boundaries are fear-based to a degree, right? Or they're comfort-based. But it's out of fear that they might get too intimate with another. They might be too known by another, or they might know someone too well and be disappointed by that. So they tend to, with rigid boundaries, avoid intimacy. That's a real challenge with rigid boundaries. They're unlikely to ask for help because that might mean they have to shift a boundary. And there's going to be very few close relationships. Porous means they're an oversharer. That's that person who, the, the moment you meet them, they're telling you all about um, how last night they had to go to the bathroom and it was a really tough situation. And, like, and you're like, whoa, time out. Mm, I'm not super excited about that. Uh, they might have a difficult time saying no to any requests from others. They are somebody who fears rejection oftentimes. Healthy boundaries have values and opinions of others that matter. So some things will get through and then they don't compromise values. Healthy means they don't compromise their value set. That doesn't mean they're not open and willing to shift if new information suggests there's a better way, but they are not going to just shift willy-nilly. When the wind blows left, they just blow with it. When it blows right, they blow with it. That's not a healthy boundary. Um, that would be more of a porous boundary. Now, why do I set those up to begin with? Let's play this out with these new IRS agents. These politicians decided to vote. Now, this is what they do. They often vote on things that, you know, don't necessarily enter our purview in the, uh, you know, the, the civic world uh, until after they're making decisions. And we do essentially hire them through our votes to represent us so that we don't have to get into all of the details. But in a situation like this, I do want to point out, there's two things potentially going on here. Either they're representing you well, or they're not representing you well. If they are representing you well, well, then we move on. There's, there's not a need to set a boundary or hold a boundary. And there's no need to look at the leadership followership aspects because they're representing you well. Most people I have interacted with suggest that this isn't a great representation of them. Not necessarily because it's not a good idea at some point in some time, but because right now there seems to be more important things going on. 
I bring that up because what we need to do is take a look at our boundaries. Is there some reason that this is percolating in a way that represents the people? Do we have rigid boundaries, porous boundaries, or healthy boundaries? What I can tell you when I look at it from that vantage point, and I'm going, hmm, avoiding intimacy in close relationships, unlikely to ask for help, has few close relationships, very protected of of personal information. These are all rigid boundary kinds of traits. I'm thinking, hmm, we've got these polarizing left and right views going on right now. So the politicians are creating rigid boundaries. They are not creating porous boundaries. They don't want to listen to each other. There, there is no expectation that they're going to go along with anything. And are they setting healthy boundaries? Let's be real. If they're setting rigid boundaries or porous boundaries between the parties, we have a big social issue. That's why I'm talking about this today. So what we as people have to do in the event that they are setting rigid or porous boundaries. And remember, I went ahead and I went over, you know, if they're not, if they are representing you correctly, then move on. You can skip the rest of this podcast. You don't need this. If you think that they are not necessarily working on the right things at the right times for the right reasons, or they are... Uh, avoiding something, they are prioritizing something out of order and they're not representing you well, then this podcast is for you. And the way to go about it is boundaries. And I'll get to leadership followership as well. What our politicians right now are doing, in my view as a clinician, when I look at it objectively from the outside, and I'm being as as objective as I can, uh, neither neither party would fall into the porous category. They would fall into the rigid category. So what do you do when somebody in your circle is overly rigid? They're going to lack intimacy. They're not going to be open to your ideas and whatnot. So we have to, as a people, if that's happening, is we have to set the example. We have to put our values and priorities Uh, at the forefront, making sure that they are known. Because if those people that are supposed to be representing you ignore you or push back against your priorities and your values, they are telling you they are disrespecting you. And in the boundary world, when somebody disrespects your boundary, it's because they have boundary issues, not you. Look, if I say, hey, I don't want to talk about that right now. Can we come back to that in an hour, a day, a week, or whatever? If I do that, there should be enough respect. I mean, we could negotiate the time up to return to the conversation. That's fine. That's There's some normal, healthy negotiation that goes on. But if you just blow off my request, you are saying, I don't respect you. And that's a problem. So the easy solution, if we're looking at this from a boundaries perspective, is you need to contact the people who are supposed to represent you, your representatives, at all levels, 
whatever level you deem is appropriate, and you need to let them know, hey, I'm pretty firm on this. I don't understand why we're spending time, energy, and our money right now on a topic like this, which is pretty consistently the feedback that I have been hearing from different sides, not from just one side or the other. So we're going to transition from here. We're going to go ahead and take a look at leadership followership. When a leader represents us well and leads us well, truthfully, it's pretty easy to follow, right? When we, when we know they're looking after our best interest and the best interest of all of these people as a whole, I would say, well, I can get on board. When we begin to feel as though we are not safe or that we are not being represented well, then we have a leadership followership issue. So let's break it down into two categories. Leadership. If a leader is not going where you believe is the right place to go, the simplest solution is don't follow. Like you got to know what, what they're trying to do and what you're trying to do. When you understand what both of those things are and the differences between you, you can decide if it'll fit well enough. And if it doesn't fit, then you stop following them. It doesn't mean you have to be mean or disrespectful or unkind or anything. Just stop following them, which means don't vote for them. If it's a followership issue, it's a little bit more complex because now it's your issue. It's about you. Is there something you have done or not done that has put these people in positions where they can tell you what to do or not do? Or how we spend our money or don't spend our money. Is there something about you that needs to be looked at? And at some point, we voted. And these are the people that we have decided represent us. From an outside vantage point, my greater concern is, are we getting the best representatives? Is that what we are getting? When we look at the people that you have voted for, are they the best people for the job? I'm not saying are they good. I'm not saying are they acceptable. Are they the best? In our country, there was the idea that all politicians would work full time for themselves or out in the community. They'd have a store. They'd have a job. They, they would be working. And they would part-time be representing us, the people, politically. Those days have disappeared. Now, being in a political arena is a full-time career. I bring that up because you and I are following people on a daily basis who they may understand this political arena really, really well, but it begs the question, do these people who do this for a career understand the people, you and me? If that is not happening to the extent that you believe is necessary, then you have a followership responsibility. You, as a person in this system, have to decide what to do with that. 
And we can go back and we can listen to that boundaries section that I just recently did a minute ago. Or as a follower, you can ask yourself, is there somebody who's going to suit us better? And what would that somebody look like? And when you come across them, encourage them to represent you. Every community that I have ever been in has these people in them that are very active, very um, uh, oriented towards serving others that are representing, uh, you know, the community that they live in very well. Yet that doesn't always turn into a political aspiration. I get that. Being in politics these days is very hard. But as a follower, we need to nudge lovingly, nudge, sometimes firmly nudge, people who have the ability to represent us well into doing that. In the world of politics, that right there may be a more important thing than a lot of the things that we have seen going on. You have a friend. You have a coworker. You have somebody that you interact with in the community in some fashion that has a good sense of what it means to live in, participate in a community. And they're intelligent. They could figure out the political stuff when they got there. That's a person to encourage. If you're a good follower, you're going to boister up the leaders. You're going to hoist them up and you're going to say, hey, take this because you've got what it takes. And then you're going to keep doing that. And over time, we lift them from the bottom to the top. That is a very different proposition than they work their way to the top from the political arena. That doesn't mean they understand us as a culture. If you've listened to me for any length of time, you know that culture supersedes politics. Politics is a niche it's a small category. There are actors and actresses and athletes who have as much social influence, sometimes more, than our politicians. Because politics is one subcategory of our culture. So as followers, you play a role in boosting up somebody around you who has really figured out how your community works and would represent you and your community well. It's not them coming to you saying, I want to work for you. It's you as a follower saying, I want them to work for me because I really like what they represent. That's the difference. And if you know about leadership followership, which by the way, I've done podcasts on that before, you can go back and listen to it. That is what our community, what our culture is missing right now from a therapeutic lens. That is the idea that we boost to the forefront those that represent us well. So quick recap. On one side of the coin, I'm saying boundaries and holding boundaries. Okay, that's important. We're always going to have to do that. On the other side of the coin, I'm saying leadership and followership. But today I emphasized leaders become leaders as a result of followers. 
which means the followers have as much, maybe even more responsibility to get those leaders into the right positions. And that's what I'm asking you guys to consider today. I think that would create a different look at the 87,000 new IRS agents. Right now, we're not sure that those 87,000 will represent us well, because I think what we're doing potentially is questioning whether the politicians that put the time, energy, and resources into that and prioritized that over all of these other things that are going on, we're not sure they are representing us well. Again, I'm not here to tell you my view per se. I'm here because I want you to think outside the box and think about what your responsibility is because you have a responsibility. I have a responsibility to set boundaries, hold boundaries, and follow people who are worthy of being followed. Thank you so much for joining us. 